Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So listen, how's your Christmas shopping going? You haven't started yet, have you? Well, fear not, the big interview is here to help solve all your problems. For the football fans in your life, here's three stocking fillers. Firstly, the documentary film of my book, Barca, The Making of the Greatest Team in the World, is now available everywhere on DVD and digital download. Take the Ball, Pass the Ball is the definitive story, we like to say, of the greatest football team ever assembled and features exclusive interviews with Barca's stellar cast of current and ex-players, including that geezer Lionel Messi, Xavi, Andres Iniesta, Thierry Henry, Dani Alves, Gerard Piquet, Carlos Puyol and Sergio Busquets, plus a rare exclusive contribution from Pep Guardiola himself. There, that's that one present sorted. Secondly, my old chum and fellow dandy Jonathan Northcroft has a new book out published by Backpage. These marvellous people that bring you the books, the podcasts. It's called Deadlines and Darts with Delhi and it's Jonathan's World Cup diary from Russia last summer and it's essential reading for the football fan in your life. Finally, check out another Backpage book, Football 2.0, How the World's Best Play the Modern Game by Grant Wall. Through extensive interviews with one player in every key position on and off the pitch, Grant breaks down the technical and tactical revolutions which have transformed football. So, there you have it. Take the ball, pass the ball, deadlines and darts with Delhi, football 2.0. That's not only difficult to say, it's Christmas sorted. Courtesy of your friends at the big interview. You're ho, ho, ho. Welcome. I'm speaking from Take the Ball, Pass the Ball headquarters here in downtown Barcelona, but this is not TTBT, TTBBB business that we're on. This is also um, the other half of the big interview headquarters. And every month, thanks to our glorious socios via Patreon.com, we have what I like to call a question and answer. And let's hear the first one. Hi there, it's Finley from Iona again. At the start of the Champions League, I asked you if Cristiano Ronaldo would make the difference to Juventus this year and see if they would win. And I think you answered that you thought he would make a difference, but not enough to win the tournament. And I just want to know whether, having watched the group stages, if you would like to stand by that, or if you think he has made a big difference. Keep up the good work. Finley, not only do I love the question, I love the concept of being held to account, although you did phrase it in a very gentle way. Let me say, let, let me bring you first-hand um, information. 
uh, to begin with. I was in the um, I was at the Mestalla when Juventus came to Valencia quite early in the group stages, and obviously that day Cristiano Ronaldo was overwrought and did a stupid thing. Whether he deserved to be sent off or not, was sent off. And what I was very very interested in was the brutal, flinty toughness of mentality that players like Bernadeschi and Pjanic showed that day. Chesney too, clearly, and indeed, you know, right across the team, you wouldn't have picked out a passenger, a weak man, as they played with 10 and outsmarted Valencia and ultimately began a process that will lead Valencia out and Juventus through as group winners. But beyond that, I fully understand this focus on Cristiano making the difference. And again, if you cut forward to the the rematch with uh, Los Che this week, as uh, a couple of days before we recorded, it would have been on Tuesday this week. Then patently his little um, shimmy, uh, which left Gabriel looking flummoxed and pretty foolish, uh, made the difference for putting something on Mandzukic's toes. Um, he also caused a good save from Neto. Cristiano Ronaldo did all right. He's doing in between uh, the, the meat and your sandwich, Finlay, uh, from Iona, um, is that he's been doing... I think increasingly well in Syria in that I don't think you'd find many who'd argue that he's playing or contributing at the peak of his powers yet. But then again, en route to winning the Champions League last season, by this stage, he hadn't done that either. He is a guy who seems to have inherited that Alex Ferguson mentality at Manchester United where all he wanted was his squad to be competitive until January and then to switch on the, you know, the burners and power away from there to May. Ronaldo as an individual seems to have taken on that idea, particularly as he's got older. And therefore, by no means would I be derogatory in saying that at the moment he's doing enough to to indicate that his finishing power is better than it was at the stage last season. He is evidently much more at home right now, at least with Juventus as a club, with individuals, how he's looked after, what the crowd feel about him than he was in the latter stages of his years at Real Madrid. And that counts to him. And that counts to him now more than ever, probably. The fact that the Juventus fans, without so down on their knees and pleading with gratitude that he's there, do adore the fact that he is their first outrageous superstar purchase for quite some considerable years. And therefore, you're right, at the moment, the progress is enough to indicate that I might have been wrong in indicating that I didn't think he would make enough of a difference to make Juventus champions of Europe. I guess you'll have another go at me on this in February, March, when we begin to look at the knockout stages. And I see something that isn't your, a direct answer to your question, Finlay, as I wrap up now. But on that night in Mustaya, I've watched four of the five Juventus games in Europe so far. And on that night in the Mustaya, I spoke to Chesney, I spoke to Pjanic, and I watched up close one of their executives, the guy that um, you'll remember very well, Pavel Nerved, the, the blonde-haired, brilliant Czech midfielder. And it was astonishing the level of, and not the words, although I spoke to two of the three of them, the level of grit and at all costs attitude to winning the Champions League. One of the things I think I said, or at least I hope I said in my answer to you, was that in the years when they've lost the finals, I saw you know players, whether it be um, Bonucci or Chiellini, you could pick five or six of those who are there right now, younger looking like they were at their best. Allegri um, on the upsurge in terms of uh, momentum, in terms of, again, being at the height of his powers. And I thought with those opportunities gone, uh, wasted, 
I didn't really believe that uh, what we would see is a stronger, more dangerous, more reliable Juventus in the, the semi-final or final this season. Right now, they paint a little bit differently. Right now, several of them look as if they're benefiting from not having had long World Cups. But this is early winter. Let's wait and see. Right now, I do agree that it, it would be immature of me not to increase my rating of Juventus. And I think that uh, we're maybe at 1-1, you and I, Finlay, about whether Cristiano is absolutely now making a difference or not. I think he's happy. I think he's playing well. I think he looks sort of 24 months younger than he did in his last season at Roma did. And that's to the that's to the positive if you're a Juve fan. So let's track this one, Finlay, and I'm glad you came back to me on it. And you'd have to say so far for Juve, given their league, and their Champions League performance and Cristiano Ronaldo thrown in. Right now, you'd be giving it a 7 or 8 of 10 project. So now, having chatted to Finley, we've got a question from um, an old friend, Ethan Sokolas. Now, Ethan says, I'm a Barca fan and I'm a bit frustrated with Valverde. Well, listen, sorry, editor's voice, join the queue, Ethan. How can he and the board say that youth players will be given the chances, yet we don't even see Alenia, Miranda, Pooch given starts? Or game time, it's obvious that Rakitic and Busquets get tired and need and need more rest. So I think editor Neil, the silent presence in this Q and A, that ties in with our next voicemail. Hi Graham, Craig McGough here. As we're in the run up to the Christmas break, can you give us a half term report on Barca? For me, I would say B plus, doing well, could do better. Craigie boy, Ethan, um, I have to answer this with a voice that indicates that you both know I'm not a Barca fan. So if you were realistic and objective, starting with Craig, about a mark out of 10, you'd say that it's it's understanding the concept of mean or median because there have been moments this season when Barcelona have played football that if they could make it consistently the case between now and April or May... They could win a treble because there have been times when the component parts function smoothly and Messi has looked outstanding and there have been moments when Stegen has looked just as outstanding. Then there have been moments whereby they look inept, um, they look short of attention, where several of them look tired. They've they've been led astray by a coach who seems to have the the absolute perfect understanding of the pluses and minuses of his squad and seems to understand fully that in certain games he has to play a four-man midfield, something that he did all last, almost all of last season and had a stranglehold on football domestically that won in the cup and the league at a canter. And then he'll do things like he did, particularly um, at home to Real Betis, where you're like, Mr Valverde. Are you hallucinating? Because um, to start with the wrong formation and then make two substi- three substitutions and not once change the formation just seemed to me literally incredible. So, Craig, if you want to give the average across the performances which peak with um, away to Spurs, at home to Inter, two-thirds of the Clasico against uh, Madrid, if you want to take those and one or two other uh, highlights and blend them with the way in which for 55 minutes at least they were completely outplayed by Rai Vallecano if you want to put that and also listen the away performance at Inter although it ended in a 1-1 draw was majestic compared to the flimsy what the hell are we doing here performances in Paris 4-0 away to Juve 3-0 away to Roma 4-1 the Inter performance in the San Siro was very 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 good indeed so 
but, but the flaws, if you look at the ineptitude of the midfield pressing and midfield passing against Girona and the 2-2 draw at home, you you, you could easily go on the, the way in which they had a hand round um, the throat of Leganes in the midweek game at Butarque and kind of just lost all focus, were outjumped for really simple headers, were, were caught badly with their pants down on the counter-attack. Then I think, I th- Craig, did you say B+. Plus? Yeah, I think that might be generous. There you go. Now, Ethan, this is a completely different style of question and answer uh, than Craig's because you're talking about a religion. You're talking about philosophy. You're talking about anybody who's grown up in any of the, let's say, Cruyff, Van Hal, Reichard or Guardiola eras. Reichard less so because he, he wasn't sure about Andres Iniesta and, and although he included him, he didn't he didn't use him as a touchstone footballer. But nonetheless, it was the case that under Reichard, Vitor Valdez was was promoted and um, trusted. And what I would say is that Ethan is, is, is very clearly talking about the idea that if the Cantera, the youth system, is good enough to produce Alenia and Miranda or Chumi or Ricky Pooch, then the other part of that equation, um, because it's an equation launched and promoted by Johan Cruyff, is pick the right guys technically, even when they're aged 11 or 12, teach them the correct way technically, tactically, in terms of their mentality, and then put them out of their comfort zone. Put them playing with 16-year-olds when they're 13 or 14. Put them playing with 25-year-olds when they're 17 or 18. And it's evidently the case, and for those who are listening to this Q&A who maybe don't follow Barca quite as closely as Ethan and Craig obviously do, Alenia is a clearly gifted, clever, um, ball-moving midfielder who can step forward, go through the lines... Um, has got nice control, will have a, a ple- in his career a plethora of assists and some goals. I'm not saying he's going to be prolific, but from midfield, he looks like a footballer who can control the tempo of a midfield, who can um, technically add filigree touches of specialness and who does his work in terms of duties about pressing and closing back. Uh, Ricky Pooch is a sparky, lively, Neymar slender a player who looks explosive and dangerous and is always trying to do creative things with the ball. Miranda can play at fullback or, or potentially centre-back. Chumi can do both of those and has probably vaulted over Miranda a little bit in terms of first backup defensive guy. There are others to talk about too. But um, Valverde doesn't seem to believe in them. And I know that, Ethan, your, your uh, point is echoed here in this city by Coulet's who are outraged, genuinely outraged, that they're not seeing enough of the kids when it's, as you point out, it's the case that Busquets and Rakitic patently need uh, more rest. Alba is probably overplayed, um, where the injury list is gigantic, and Sergio Roberto is out, and and Silicon is out, and Suarez is out, and Arthur is out, and it now looks as if Umtiti might be missing, if if he takes surgery for his damaged left knee, then he may be out for four or five months. If he doesn't take surgery, he may only be able to play two, three games in a row. And and people are asking, haven't we learned, not, not as a Barca fan, but in general, haven't we learned that irrespective of how good a kid is, and in these cases you've named Alenia, Miranda, Pooch, um, I've chucked in Chumi, again, I state there are others. It, uh, however good they are, you don't know 
whether they're going to be sufficiently good until they play and are tested in the furnace of La Liga against difficult sides home and away. And secondly, those who in the Cantera youth system maybe don't necessarily look all that good with the memories of Pedro and Busquets being just gently edged towards the door, Puyol being very nearly sold until he damages himself fooling around playing goalkeeper in training and therefore stayed and became a legend. Blah, 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 blah. Guardiola always saying that if it hadn't been for the Cruyff system, he'd have been papped out to a third division club because he was too skinny and too slow. You, you sometimes don't see the quality necessarily in the in the youth system. That a guy can come through, might not look quite right, put him in the first team. How long did it take for Sergio Roberto to win the hearts of the Barca fans? So, Ethan, your question is fair. I personally have seen enough of Alenia to think that he should be getting more game time right now. He's also a very uh, calm, quite laid-back guy who might be making more of a fuss in, privately, not in the media, and, and demanding more game time. I, I think well of uh, Chumi. He looks uh, he looks ready. Ricky Puch needs to be drip-fed into the first team, drip-fed in, and also needs gym work. He has to be a little bit stronger in being able to hold off tackles. That's enough on them for now. But you you were, I think, trying to put a, a temperature gauge Ethan, on whether people in, in this part of the world feel the same as you. And I can tell you, if they have lived through those cry fly card even Van Hal in Belgium through six or seven maybe even eight kids into a game away in I think it was Bruges and gave Iniesta his debut away from home in a Champions League group that was already won and people who have lived through those eras are saying why aren't these potentially talented kids been given their chances yes you're right okay as all of you know um, given your beautiful love for me um, it was my birthday recently and Victor here in Take the Ball Pass the Ball HQ bought me a basket of uh, craft beers and they're looking at me right now it's O'Hara's Irish Stout award-winning it says on the label craft brewed in Ireland and it's just about time that I had one of those back in a minute small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustoleum. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Bon dia, Graham. It's Richard Cosmala from Huddersfield. Hope you're well. Continue the great work that you're doing. Just want to ask you about defences. So for me, you pointed out this year on shows, Diego Godin, not the same player, maybe past his best. We've seen Gerard Pique have a poor season. Sergio Ramos, again, a very poor season. Atletico as a team, always you know susceptible for a goal now when they never were before. Barcelona conceded a ridiculous amount of goals, Madrid, etc. I think you can even say the Premier League team. So I suppose my question is, defending, is it just the way the game's going? Is defending a dying art? A team's just not care about it now and it's all about goals, but... It seems a bit of a shame to me. The defensive side of the game just seems to be dropping off. I don't know what your views are, mate, but I'd be interested to know. Thank you. Yeah, Richard, listen, obviously that's quite a big question there. Look, if, let's focus on the micro before the, the macro. I, I don't have any doubt that um, what we're seeing in Godin is a combination of age and wear and tear. If you look at the number, not just arithmetically, the number of games that he's had to pack in since Cholo Simeone took over, but the number of times he's had to raise his game, both physically and mentally, to be the leader of the pack in the most successful era Atleti have ever known. And that takes a toll. It softens you. I was on a TV programme yesterday. I know you sometimes watch, but I was sitting with guys coming into saying, listen, it's, it's inevitable. And even the most successful club after a five, six year run of success, that success weakens you, softens you, that something changes, whether it's wholly subconscious or sometimes conscious relaxation. And therefore, Godin individually has, I'd also point out, been distracted by the fact that he's holding Atleti at bay for a very big contract offer with the idea of seeing what else is out there for one last gigantic move in his career because he thinks that once he supersedes this current lack of form, which I think has been chronic, absolutely chronic, in terms of the numbers of, not not just against the the numbers of errors, but the numbers of different types of errors that he's committed in very big matches this season, including just passing the ball to opponents in the Atleti defensive third of the pitch, which is unheard of. But... I think his head, this time subconsciously, has been a little bit turned by the idea that he's not quite sure where the next stage after the end of this season comes. I hear rumours of United coming back in for him and blah, 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 blah. But as much as football carries the capacity to shock you hugely, the idea of Godin leaving Atletico Madrid when they're two, four, six, seven good results away from winning the Champions League at their own stadium next June... That I find very odd. And therefore, I don't think Godin's going before the summer. And he isn't playing well individually. And I put him in the same basket as Sergio Ramos. I disagree with your um, assessment of Piquet and that Boston are, are defending atrociously. And Piquet has made some mistakes. But in my opinion, Piquet has been playing extremely well in many of the games this season. And has been holding the fort against a Barca midfield, which is you know, like a string vest in terms of holes in it. And how attractive it is. And therefore... Well, 
it's undoubtedly the case that you could put your magnifying glass on single individual errors by PK um, that would begin to back your argument. I think that if you if you also did the same with moments when PK has bailed his defence, his midfield and the entire team out time and time again, he's playing at a wholly different level than Ramos or Godin. Ramos is in the same basket as Godin because of drenched with success. And, and it's my opinion that he's trying at the moment to haul his season back and thinking that he can reach for fifth gear when in fact because pretty much since Kiev he's had his foot off the pedal um, sufficiently at his age and with this amount of disarray around him in his team and domestically not nationally it's it's left him floundering and he, he for a while I don't think he was quite aware why I don't think I think he felt invulnerable and that because of his outrageous athleticism and physique and and by being convinced by his own legend, which frankly deserves to have been over the, the last few years, that little tiny sliver of drop of intensity on a daily basis and concentration and planning and communicative powers on the pitch and the fact that Carvajal's been absent injured, then Marcelo's been absent injured, Varane is playing like drain. All of these things going on around him have been distractions to him. Like, for example, as if there's some celestial voice whispering in his ear, like, there's only four minutes left in your career, Sergio. Something like that. Now to the broader idea, Richard. I need to say that at this time when... And and I know you only made a proposition rather than it wasn't anything scathing about general levels of defending. One, there's been a... Rather than people abandoning defending, there has been an absolutely endemic, contagious, enthusiastic embracing of playing the ball forward, beating a man, passing the ball past a man, getting high numbers of bodies up the pitch. right across. As a, it's one of the dominant trends of the last decade or even 15 years at a time when the rule changes in football have made it more difficult for defenders to rely on, I can get there, I can slide in, I can get myself or my team out of trouble. And therefore, they they less often make those challenges. The increasing use of VAR in competitions internationally and now domestically, it's coming to England, just you wait, it's coming to the Champions League imminently. VAR has also meant, whoa, 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 there's a, there's a giant big, it's like, a, it's like a Monday morning feeling, isn't it? The weekend's brilliant, let's go mad, Friday's mental, Saturday's better, Sunday, well, okay, nothing, yeah, let's have a quiet drink, Monday, oof, that's what VAR is. It's like, oh, I've misjudged something, I can get there in front of him, I can take him down and turn to the referee and nobody will know any better because the referee's blindsided. No, VAR is Monday morning for defenders. And therefore, there is a change, but it's not some abandonment of a defence. He's only a single voice, but Pep Guardiola always says that he values defence as highly as any other part of the way that his teams play. How he defends might vary, pressing, keeping the ball, um, trying to drag the opponents high up the pitch in, you know, in your own offensive third. But he, he also wants defenders who can defend right now the, although he made a mistake in the Parc de Prance, uh, Virgil van Dijk has largely been acclaimed for being not just a good defender or the best in the world, but an old-style defender. Big and aggressive and reading things well and bullying people and decent in the air. I'd say pff, something similar about Laporte. Laporte is getting all the rave reviews at Manchester City right now. And in La Liga, you talked about... And, and you're right, I agree with you. But if you look at 
They've played 13 games and Atletico Madrid have conceded 9-10. I haven't looked across the rest of the big leagues. But I don't think it's disgraceful that Valencia, in an awful season for them, have only conceded nine times. Valladolid, a promoted side who, until they lost 1-0 at the weekend, had, had only conceded nine times in 13 matches. I buy little bits of your argument, but overall the idea that nobody can defend or nobody's interested in defending right now across the elite levels of Europe would correspond badly with how I saw Bonucci and Chiellini playing uh, this season so far. So we're in we're in changing times, but I think it's not changing because of rust and acid eroding the basic ideas of defending. I think we're in changing times because the concept of what you do with the ball, the concept of what you, how you overload and get superiority of numbers is asking more defenders than ever to break forward, to stay forward and to take risks and go one-on-one and back. And therefore, I think it's um, evolution, not anarchy. Hi, boys. Tom from the Guna Talk here. Loving the podcast and looking forward to my watching of Take the Ball, Pass the Ball very, very soon. Uh, My question is actually a very selfish one. Uh, I've recently got into MLS and I wanted to get your thoughts on how Spanish players view the league. We know the MLS is a league in which players try and use it as a twilight year episode to to bookend their careers, like we've seen with Devavir. In the past, we've seen it with Iriola, the former athletic Bilbao mainstay at right back. And uh, I wanted to know if the now, with the evolution of the league if players are looking at what's going on there and seeing it as now an opportunity to actually revitalise possible careers we've seen it with Josep Martinez at Atlanta and uh, I wondered if any Spanish players are now viewing the league as an opportunity not only to bookend their career but possibly to get more minutes on the pitch and to revitalise their chances of making a first team appearance thanks lads keep up the hard work Thomas, baby, Thomas. Such a wide range of ways to to answer this question and uh, there's nothing uh, shellfish about it. Um, I like it. it. It certainly shows you know your stuff. I mean, first of all, I remember oh, how many years ago, set of four, five years ago, sitting down with uh, Sis Fabregas at a Puma event here in Barcelona. He was there with uh, Royce and Thierry Henry and Balotelli and I got a one-on-one with Sesk at the end of it and I can't remember why I asked him but I said to him um, MLS what do you, he said yeah definitely definitely I want to end my career there I'm eager to go there I'm eager to experience it the only part of your question that I'll take an issue with a little bit is that you know I know that this is me being pedantic and you didn't quite mean it this way but believe me n- knowing David Villa as a person watching David Villa's performance. He went there to, to take US football by the by the throat and grip it until he won. He didn't go there for a big payout. He's He was angry that um, he wasn't being properly c- considered for Spain duty given that in Brazil in the World Cup he did not announce his retirement. If you remember, he was brought back for one cap for Spain having moved to the MLS and been absolutely brilliant for um, New York City. And therefore, he's gone out there to treat it as if he was still frontline for Football Club Barcelona, or if he was uh, to treat it as if he was playing for Manchester City, it's it's a shame that you know the age he's at means that this isn't quite elite David Villa, but that's not a euphemism. It isn't far off. He's still scoring goals at an unbelievable rate. And if you t- certainly, it's my perception. I guess if you're listening to this um, Q and A and you've sent a, a, a question in then it's likely that you heard the Robbie Keane interview. And Robbie was, Robbie obviously adored lots of his time at LA Galaxy, but spoke with, I would say there was some salt and vinegar in his voice when he talked about the attitudes of the younger 
athletes at LA Galaxy and whether they were anywhere near the commitment level on a daily basis that he expected of them and whether defeat hurt them badly enough. And I think that that meshes with your point about initially people thinking that you went for a, a lap of honour in the States. And I remember very, very clearly Thierry Henry going there and I'm pretty sure it was for um, New York Red Bull and working with Ullier. And Henri found it um, exhausting and didn't particularly enjoy that having knocked his pan in in elite football for the rest of his career um, at Monaco, Juve, um, Arsenal, Barca, that you were always in training camp, that you were always on a plane, that there was overnight flights, that you were basically living a life that you'd be best addressing when you're 22 or 24 or 26 instead of 32 or 33. And it was counsel from Raul, uh, who I think played for Cosmos, uh, Raul and Thierry Henry, that just was the feather-touch difference to prevent Xavi uh, going to play in the MLS and going to New York and, and, and changing his mind, staying for one year at Barcelona then going to Qatar instead. They said, listen, dude, when you come out here, people can run about like Olympic athletes all over the pitch. And that while the quality is improving, technically, you have to be an athlete. And that while it's traditional for Europeans to come over aged 30, 31, 32, 33, you, you end up barely seeing your family. It is, a, it is a real physical and mental commitment. Look out. So what's happening that's positive as far as I'm concerned is it's absolutely clear that in the point at which that realisation might have been dawning on Spanish players or players from La Liga, it's equally been dawning on the, the directors, the owners, the, the football directors of these franchises that they need to be far shrewder in their recruitment in terms of they don't simply want a star player they want somebody whose commitment will be unwavering, who understands what they're coming to and will embrace it rather than thinking, well, hold on a second, this is awfully hard work when I thought I was coming up for a round of applause. So I, I, in this country, there is no question that MLS is not as high profile as it has become in the UK. But it is the case that the football community, uh, so my last answer was a media answer, it doesn't get as much exposure here as it does in the UK. But in terms of what the football community in terms of coaches, um, football players, um, agents, in, 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 as far as all of them are concerned, their respect for the quality of football being played in MLS right now and the way in which the world image of that uh, league is increasing means that I think you're right. I think that we will increasingly see the right players going to the right clubs and enjoying the final spell of their career. And I think we'll increasingly see players who shouldn't be going there for a pat on the back or for lying in the sun, choosing not to because they're better educated about what lies in wait for them in the MLS. And I think that's very, very healthy. And, and you didn't ask, but I'll throw in my tuppence. It excites me to see football, domestic football in the States, improving and increasing, particularly at a time when the national team is as you know as as stagnant as it's been for many many decades, and therefore I, I like seeing I like watching it much more than I used to, um, and and I I'm enthusiastic about it eventually becoming uh, competitive and on a level with the elite European leagues. Hi Graham, it's Sam Matterface here from Talksport ITV and the Bet Three Six Five Sofa. I just wondered. Now, I know you're a big wig and you've got loads of great friends, most of them from the 80s, I know, but you've made a lot of contacts in your football career. I imagine that you've been invited to quite a few 
Christmas parties at football clubs, maybe newspapers, maybe at broadcasting companies. I also know you're a fantastic singer. And I wanted to know, who is the most famous sporting personality that you have sung a duet with at a Christmas party, because we're getting close to the festivities, on the karaoke machine? Sam, good to hear from you, mate. Uh, Just move over on the sofa a little bit. Please, room for a little one. Steve Freeth, in you come. Christmas. Ah, Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. No, Christmas, Sam, is a time for being with your family. Let me take you to, rather, Hamden, um, the Europa League final. UEFA Cup, I think, as we called it then. Espanyol against Sevilla. And this one, Sam, is for... And, and by the way, just a little brackets here, parenthesis, as we like to call it at Cambridge University. I'm just going to overlook the mention of the wigs. Thank you very much indeed, big or otherwise. Yeah, so a night out after Espanyol lost on penalties, a 2-2 UEFA Cup final at Hampden, lost on penalties to Sevilla, that Sevilla star, uh, side starring Freddie Canuti, late Antonio Puerta, uh, Luis Fabiano, and many other glorious, glorious footballers. A night in Glasgow, which then moved on to duetting with uh, Dutch international legend Arthur Newman, brother of Gary and actually he does know the answer to whether friends are electric but you'll have to listen to part two to find out but best of all probably one of the great karaoke experiences of my entire life although people tell me that that will be topped when you and I croon together and it'll be something stupid I'm Frank and you could be Nancy no Sam the number one was Adrian Inchy Heath Inchy Private High of Everton fame wonderful man and unbelievably good karaoke singer in the style of well you guessed it chairman of the board frank sinatra dean martin fabulous if you're listening adrian come back to this part of the world sing with us again the treat will be on sam and i you've been uh, graham hunter i've been tremendous that's it for part one please please for the love of god come back on monday because there'll be more of this see ya Thank you for joining us for season 2018-19. We've got huge creative plans for the months ahead, but we do need your help to make them happen. Please go right now to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and become a social, become a paying member and get an extra big interview every month plus loads of bonus content. Last season, socios listened to nine exclusive big interviews including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Deeney, Roberto Di Matteo and loads of me talking about football. The Premier League, the Champions League, Spanish football. I'm sure they enjoyed it and you will too. Support us, join us. Thank you.